This morning, I brought a potato or a tater, if you want to call it that, or a tate. Sometimes it's just a tate, but it's a, it's a tater, uh, a potato. And so the thing is, is right now, it's just that. Right? Now, very few people will pick up a potato and just eat it. But if you do something with it, it becomes amazing. Have you ever noticed that? You can shred this and make hash browns and get them scattered well at Waffle House. That's amazing. Uh, you can cut them into French fries. Uh, it's hard to go wrong to make a bad French fry. Uh, so you can make, you know, the big, thick steak fries, or you can make the real skinny little McDonald's fries, which are delicious. Or you can get creative, and you can make waffle fries uh, that become Jesus waffle fries at Chick-fil-A. Uh, so there's all kinds of—or you can boil it, because some people, you know what? You, you, you boil it, and I'm sorry, I'm from the South. Boil. Those of you who are not—don't understand what—what what did he just say? Boil. Put it in water. At least 212 degrees Fahrenheit, the water begins to bubble and things begin to cook. Uh, and then you, you drain the water off and you can mash them and pour some cream on them and put some, uh, put some cheese in them and make amazing uh, mashed potatoes. Or even, you, better yet, you can make gravy and put, because I like all your gravies, uh, not just some gravy. I like, if, it's, if it's gravy, if it's grease and milk stirred together, that's delicious. So I'm going to eat that. Uh, but it, it's, it's a good thing, right? And, uh, and as long as you do something with it, uh, it's pretty incredible. If you don't do something with it, it's just a potato. And so you might want this one. Can you catch? I'm scared to throw it that far. I'm not scared that I'll, I can't get it there. I'm just afraid it might hit somebody on the way. So, Dave, can I throw you this potato? Okay. Way to go. So, uh, anyway, so if you want to, you can pass it back about five or six rows and, and somebody really wants that potato because I was really afraid that girl who's sitting in front of you, I was afraid I'd hit her in the face uh, because uh, my arm is a little janky this morning. Uh, so, but, but here's, that, you know what that is? That's application. That, that's application. When you look at something and say, okay, now what am I going to do with it? Now what? That, that's application. So last week we talked about why pursue Jesus. And, and this week we're going to talk about the how-to, okay? That, that, that's what we're going to talk about. So, um, you know, uh, it, it's, it's one of those things we, we kind, of, uh, kind of overlook because we're like, yeah, I know he's there. Uh, because why it's happened is we become experts at gathering information, but, but we don't ask how, now what? We, that, we don't do that anymore. Uh, you want to put that next slide up for me? That would be great. Yeah, uh, because here's the whole problem is that we, we've got all this stuff. We're in the information age, and we can, uh, it's easy. You don't have to read the book anymore. Somebody will tell it to you, or you can read a blog, or they'll text it to you, or, or I mean, all kinds of things happen to us, and we've got all this information, but we just, but what are we going to do with it? That's what's really important is doing something with it instead of just saying, hey, this is what I've got. We're not supposed to be accumulating information and knowledge. We're supposed to be doing something with it. So basically that means we're asking how and when. And so uh, that's what we're going to do as we continue through Philippians chapter 3 today. Uh, so last week we talked about the how. Excuse me, last week we talked about the why. This week we're going to talk about the how. So I'm in verse 12 of Philippians chapter 3. He says, not that I have already obtained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. 
and his own. He says, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. I've still got some things that I've got to, to do here. And so let's, let's talk about this because Paul recognizes there is this idea that he's not gotten there yet. We talked about this for just a moment last week and said because Jesus is infinite, you can have an infinite knowledge of him that you're going to always continue to, to try and figure out what's going on with him and grow him and, and know him more. And so I know the lights are dimming, and so I'm just going to keep talking, okay? That's what I'm going to do. Uh, I can figure this out. And so eventually we'll just, you know, everybody's got a light on your phone. If you're following along, we'll be okay. So anyway, wow, I just showed up at a football game. It must be fourth quarter. Um, so here's, here's that's, that's funny. All right, so here, here's the deal is, what, what happens with us is that, is that we get so wrapped up in, 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 in all this knowledge. But what we've got to do, we've got to develop, hello, we've got to develop a, what I'll call a holy discontent. Okay, because we're, we're content in our relationship with Jesus. We're content in our relationship with Jesus. But people in LaGrange are loving this, let me tell you. Yeah. It, 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 this holy, we, we've got to move forward and say, I want to grow in my relationship with Jesus. It, it, it doesn't just happen. Right? If, if, if you go and tonight you go to the Cadillac dealership and you decide you're going to sleep out in the middle of the car lot at the Cadillac dealership and you're going to sleep there, when you wake up tomorrow morning, you're not going to turn into a Cadillac. Um, you have to take intentional steps to grow in your relationship with Jesus. It doesn't just happen. It doesn't happen by osmosis. I tried that when I was in grad school one night. I had taped a lecture, and I just I had a test the next day, so I said, I'll just put this on play, and I'll just go to sleep, and I'll just listen to these notes over and over again. I, I put it on a loop, and, but, you know, I didn't do any, I didn't do good on the test the next day. It didn't, it didn't just happen by osmosis. You have to put some effort into it. So let, let's, talk about, let's talk about how to pursue Jesus. Uh, n number one, uh, don't lie to yourself about you. Uh, don't lie to yourself about you. What do I mean by that? Here's what I mean by that is that be honest with yourself. Look in the mirror. Say, look, here's something that you struggle with. Here's something that you don't do so well. Here's something that you don't um, follow through on so well. Okay? I, I, I'll just tell you something. Here's something that I struggle with. Prayer is laborious for me. And I, I, was, I was so encouraged to see in Scripture that Paul says that he labors in prayer because I'm like, that's what I am. And, and, and so now, now it comes to study. Listen, I can study all day long. I, I can get completely engrossed in studying and reading and circle words and underlining that and seeing what that, what that, what that text really means or, or reading in a book and understanding something. I love that. And, and, and I, I, will, I will study and study and study and then find myself like, hey, you studied a whole lot and you hadn't prayed so, not so much. Uh, so I, I have to be aware of that. So, you know, what, what is the thing that, that, that you do really well? What things that you sort of struggle with? So don't lie to yourself about you. And the first thing is know, know your strengths and weaknesses. And, and, and you know what those are, spiritually speaking. Figure out what those are. You probably don't have to sit there and spend a whole lot of time. You probably know this is something that I'm, I, I really, you know, kind of hit out of the park. And here's something I don't do so well. 
Uh, now, what we tend to do so many times, spiritually speaking, is that we measure ourselves against other people. Don't do that. Measure yourself against the holiness of Jesus. You're not in competition with everybody else. See, because what we'll tend to do is, is we will surround ourselves with people who will look at us as though we are spiritual giants and I'm the holy person. And I'm better, and we, we want to be with those people who feel like, well, I'm at least as good, spiritually speaking, as they are. And so what happens is we get very content with that where we are, and we don't grow in our relationship with Jesus. So instead, what you should do is measure yourself against the holiness of Jesus. And it's not, that's not to get a defeatist attitude, but that's so you begin to understand, hey, this is where I'm supposed to go, and this is where I'm supposed to be. And you understand, wow, here's a weakness, and here's how Jesus did this, and it starts sort of lining up that way. Uh, and the third thing is, is know and embrace the promises of Scripture. The, the, those, those things, when, when, look, if, if you struggle sometimes with connecting with God, I, I know I'm the only person who ever does that, right? That sometimes you, you feel like you're praying and, and God's not hearing you, and you're doing everything just the right way, and you feel like that you're here and God is way over there. And I realize I'm the only person that ever happens to but, you know, but, but what do you do? You, you remember. And in Hebrews 13, 5, it says that, that, that God is always with you. And he will never leave you nor forsake you. He's not going to abandon you, walk out on you, betray you, turn his back on you. He's, you know, hang on to the, those promises. And in, in 1 John 4, he says that God loves you. It doesn't say God loves you if or when. You know, in Romans 8, 31, it says if God is for you, who can be against you? You, 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 you know and embrace the promises of Scripture. You hang on to those things in your life. It's critically important that we do that. The, the fourth thing, uh, under don't lie to yourself about you, is invite godly people into your life. And Paul's going to talk about this a couple times in this passage. But it, look, instead of you being the spiritual giant in your life, you need some people who are further along spiritually in your life than you are and invite those people to come into your life and to speak into your life and to, and to help you. You know, I, I, I say this a lot, but, you know, one of the problems that most Christ followers have is that we don't love each other very well. You know why I know we don't love each other very well? Because we're not honest with one another. See, if, if, if I'm doing something, now I'm, I'm, I'm looking for the good in people. You be looking for the good in people. But when I, I see something going on consistently that just doesn't line up with, with Scripture, I want somebody to say something to me. I don't want to keep walking further and further away. I, I want somebody to come along and say, hey, Arthur, you're messing this thing up. You're, 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 you're out of line here. You're doing something that's contrary to what the Bible says because I, I want to help people grow in their relationship with Jesus. I want them to help me grow in their relationship with Jesus. Proverbs 17, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. That's got to happen. That's got to be important. That's got to be a critical part of who we are and what we're doing. And you say, well, Arthur, I, we're, not, we're not supposed to judge people. No, you're not supposed to judge lost people. God will judge them. But you know, believers are supposed to judge one another. And so what does that mean in my context of where I, 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 want, to, I want to learn to pray more and better and effectually. That means I'm looking for people in my life that are really good at praying and I want to be around them and I want to learn from them. 
and they may be at the graduate level, and I'm like a third grader, but I want to be with that person who's going to teach me and help me and mold me and, and shape me. So then Paul continues on, <clears throat> and he says this. He says, but one thing I do, he says, forgetting what lies behind. So the second thing about how to pursue Jesus is get unstuck. Get unstuck. Because what, what happens for us is that, um, is that, that victories in our past can be a reminder of God's power, and it can also make you smug, extremely confident. Because what, what we remember, there was this time when, when, when God did something, and it's important to remember those. I'm not saying don't remember those and don't dwell on those and, and don't uh, keep up with those things in your life, but you can also say, well, you know, God did this, this one time when I was 15 years old or three years ago or when my child was born. And we're, we're so wrapped up in what happened in the past that it's not only that we become extremely overconfident, uh, but we also get really lazy in regard to our faith. And, and we, don't, we don't grow so much. Uh, let me show you this. Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. He says, Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. He says, no temptation is overtaking you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. He, he, says, he says, take heed lest you fall. He says, look, pay attention to what's going on, because if you're all hung up on things that happened in the past that were great things, that happened in the past. Uh, if you just look at past accomplishments, you might fall. And, and you can see that figuratively, but you can also see it literally because if you're just looking in the past all the time and you're trying to walk, eventually you're going to run into something you're going to fall down. And so we don't want to just dwell in the past all the time because sometimes we don't dwell just in the past, spiritually speaking, on hard things or difficult things or um, dark days or shameful things that happened in our past. What happens to us sometimes is that we think about something that happened to us spiritually a long time ago, and that's all we can think about. Because, see, it, it, it just so happens if you spend yesterday's grace on today's trouble, you're going to find out that's not going to be adequate. Uh, it, it's going to uh, sort of fall apart on you. And uh, to be careful of today's pursuit of Jesus, because being affected by something dark in your past as well. It's not just the good things. But sometimes something's happened and you, and you prayed and you feel like, well, God didn't come through. God didn't mess up. It's not that God didn't come through. It's God was taking care of you. Well, I, I can't get any further with God. I, I, I can't do that uh, because uh, something that I did last summer or something that I did last week or something didn't happen. But there's something that that was not all rainbows and unicorns for you in your past. And so you could say, I, I, I can't pursue the Lord so much. No, I, see what happens, you're, you're getting stuck. And so uh, there's opportunity for you to get out of that. I, I, I love what, what Paul writes in 1 Timothy chapter 1. Hey, he says this in verse 12. He says, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful. 
Now, now how about that? I mean, if, if God looks at you and God judges you as being faithful, that's pretty incredible. And, and he says this, he says, appointing me to a service. And, and Paul is talking about, look, I, I, I did all kinds of awful things, terrible things. You know, Saul for a while was a professional Christian killer. That was his job. He was not a Christ follower. He was a Jew. And so his job was to eradicate Christians. And so, and, and he says, uh, though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent. He said, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Now, if somebody's got something to be ashamed of, it's Paul. He would go and find Christians and, and, and they would be, he would order them beaten, tortured, punished, sometimes killed. And he says, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. He says, the saint is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost, but... I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. And so what's really incredible is in spite of all the things that Paul had done, is that his past struggles did not paralyze him, but emboldened him. And so things have been difficult for him. He was embarrassed about what had happened. But he says, you know what? Instead of hiding, I'm going to be even bolder in my faith. That's what I'm going to do. Back in Philippians chapter 3, he says, verse 13 says, But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. He says, I, I, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He said, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything, you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. And so Paul uses the, the language of an athlete here. And, and he, he, uses, he uses words like in 1 Timothy 4, you can see this. Uh, and he uses words like toil and strain and press and go and run uh, and run the race. And, and, and he uses this, and, and it seems to, to be kind of contrary to what we think about when we think about the, that we're in this relationship with God through Jesus that's all about grace. And because it sounds like, oh, you got to do something. And, but we're, you know, grace has already been done, but we've got to do something. So there seems to be a little bit of attention there. Uh, but, but he uses languages with an athlete about straining and pushing and, and running. He uses it all over the place. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, in verse 24, he says, do you not know that a race, in a race, all the runners run? And so if, if every single one of us, there's got to be this effort, this moving forward, this, this straining forward. He says, but only one receives the prize. He says, so, so run that you may obtain it. So he says, look, what, do you, what does that mean? That means run as though you're running to win the race. Run as though you want to win, not as you're the guy who's just going along to you know, look at the trees and the rabbits while you're running the race course. He says, but no, you run this race the very best that you can with the intention of being the winner. And we run this race of life the very best that we can and we're not lackadaisical about it. He says, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we, an imperishable one. And so Paul goes on, he says, so I do not run aimlessly. 
In other words, I don't run without a purpose. I'm doing this for a reason. I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. He says, I'm not just doing this whatever. He says, no, there's a purpose here. He says, I discipline my body, he says, and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. And so he says, listen, I'm, I'm, in other words, like an athlete, I'm trying to keep myself in shape. It's, it's really important. Uh, and the, the idea of, of grace sometimes is we shouldn't toil, we, we shouldn't work, but that's somewhat misconstrued. But, because, you know, we've got to ask ourselves, what does it look like? What does it look like for us to have an intentional life rather than an aimless life? What, what does that look like? Where, where are we going uh, to end up? Uh, because uh, the, 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 the truth of it really is, is that nobody stumbles into godliness. Not, not even the person who gets the miracle. So Arthur, what are you talking about? It, it, it doesn't just happen. You don't just become godly. There's a guy named Moses. So Moses, he's the prince of Egypt, and he goes off into the desert, and he comes back when he's 80 years old, and he comes back, and he gets the, the children of Israel who are enslaved in Egypt, and he says, hey, we're leaving. And the children of Israel are like, oh, I'm not sure we're going to do that. And he says, yeah, we're going to do that. And so Moses leads them out. God provides for them. I mean, think about this. The, the, the strongest army in the world comes after them, and God goes, that's enough. He puts up this, this wall of fire so that the Egyptian army cannot come and get Moses and the children of Israel. Moses is standing at the edge of the water at the Red Sea, and he says, God, what are we going to do? And God goes, part the water. Moses says, what? Part the water. So Joshua standing there beside Moses. said, what are you going to do? He says, I'm going to part the water. He says, you're going to do what? He says, God says, part the water. I'm going to part the water. <laughs> Parts the water, walks through. Wall of fire comes down behind them. Pharaoh's army comes running in the sea after them. Pharaoh's army is drowned, wiped out, kaput, finished. And so they, they see, I mean, just one thing after another, after another, after another. And, and they're God's chosen people. They're the Jews. The children of Israel, they're out there in the wilderness and God says, look, I got all this stuff for you. Here you go. And so Moses goes, all right, everybody stay here. I'm going to go up on the mountain for a couple days and uh, I'm going to come back in a couple days, but I'm, I'm going to go, you know, the same God who said, part the water, I'm going to go talk with him. And they're like, awesome, have a great time. So Moses goes up on the mountain and while Moses is up on the mountain, they go around and say, hey, give me your gold. Give me all your gold. And so what, they, 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 they take their gold and, and they make an idol. Right? They make this little golden calf. And by the way, not, don't have time to talk about this today. But your idol is always going to be something you can control. Because you don't really want to serve the idol. You want the idol to serve you. And that's why we get kind of wiggy sometimes about God because we want to control him. See, that's why they made a calf, a cute little calf. They didn't make a bull or a lion or some, you know, minotaur with a pitchfork and horns and all that kind of stuff. That means something they could control. 
they were not going to grow into godliness. It, it, it was not going to happen. That there, was, there was no way that that was going to happen, even though that, they'd seen all these miracles. It, 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 wasn't going to, it, it wasn't going to work out that way. Um, so what does that tell us? I, I think that we can set spiritual goals. I, I, think it, I think what Paul's talking about here is that when he talks about straining and running and finishing and doing as though you're going to win the race, I think that you can set spiritual goals. I think that's what that looks like. Now, here's the deal. You're not going to make all of them. Okay? Here's what's going to happen. About six or seven weeks from now, it's going to be a new year. And you go, okay, here's what I'm going to do this year. And here's what I'm going to you know, and. And, you know, right now, everything's looking kind of good, but what's going to happen the week after Christmas, you're going to look in the mirror and go, you know what? Okay, so I put on 15. I'm going to the gym. I'm starting a diet, right? Because we're getting ready to have this, you know, this food marathon that's going to start for five weeks in this country, and we're going to jump after food, and, and we're going to be at parties and doing all these other kind of things. And, and, so, and, and so what are we going to do? You're going to say, I'm going to lose 15, but you're not going to lose 15. You're really going to lose five and get tired of it. And go, I'll tell you what, I can just go my new pants. That's a lot easier. Uh, and, and, but, but that doesn't mean you're not going to set the goals. And that you're not going, you may not make every goal, but you're going to make some of them. Maybe you could do the same thing uh, spiritually as well. I, I, I think that's, that's, that's important because Paul, Paul says this way. He says, only let us hold true to what we have uh, attained. Because it, here's the thing. We, we need to hold true to what we, already, what we already know. What do you mean by that, Arthur? Here's what I mean by that. Everybody wants new revelation. But most people don't want to be obedient to what they already know. Most people. Hey, you, I mean, you want to read it. Oh, God, did you, did you hear that? Did you see it? Ooh, I can write that down. You know, and you listen to some podcast or you read some blog and you go, wow, that's so good. And we want something new and fresh and powerful. And we forget that there's all this other stuff that we already know. And we don't even do that. And we get so fascinated with this new revelation, this thing that we heard on Tuesday, that we forget all the other things. And, and, and we chase after that one thing for just a little bit because growing in truth is inseparably connected to practicing the truth that you know. Yeah. If, if, if you're going to grow in your relationship with Jesus, it's got to be connected to application. You can't just accumulate knowledge. You've got to do something with it. And so Paul calls a timeout here. He says, look, listen, let, let's live up to what we already have, have attained. And then verse 17, he says, Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. So, he says, look at other people. Those who are setting this great example. So again, he comes back to this again, saying the same thing. Look, here's what you got to do. Do life with Christ followers. It's just not going to work out for you so well if you try and do it on your own. You've got to find some, some, some other Christ followers because our faith, although personal, was never intended to be private. Just put that next slide up. Our, our, our faith never intended to be private because what happens is that our, our faith grows in community. Yeah, it, it, it grows when 
we spend time alone with God, but our faith also grows when we're with other believers. And so what, do you, what am I talking about? I'm talking about finding godly men and women and follow them. It's the second time in this passage in just a few verses that Paul gets at this and says, look, this is just critical. And, and, and don't kind of set this thing up and sit here and go, well, here, here's, here's what I got to do. I, I've, got to, I, I've got to find somebody, some godly guy who romantically loves his wife, who is a godly example to his children, who, is, who, who reads the Bible in the original Hebrew and, and, and who writes worship songs and, and, and plays seven different instruments and, and, and goes on mission trips that last six months at a time in India. So I got to follow that guy. No, because that, that, that guy doesn't exist. And instead, what am I talking about? I'm talking about, look, you, you, you find a godly man or a godly woman. And she's a really good mom. You go, I want to learn from her. And, and, and another woman, and she's a, uh, she's a really incredible wife. And say, so what can I learn from her? And, uh, uh, and maybe a... Um, a man who understands sharing his faith at work. How, how does he do that? And, and, and maybe a guy who is not afraid to talk about how much that God loves him and is very intimate in his relationship with the Lord. Well, I'll, I'll do, so you don't have to look for the one, everything all in one package. You're looking for a godly man or a godly woman, but look, here's some people who do some of these things really well and attach yourselves to them. And say, hey, how can I learn from you? I, because our, our, our faith is, was never intended to be private. Verse 18, he says, For many of whom I've often told you and now tell you, even with tears, he says, this is breaking his heart, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. And so this is the exact opposite of what Paul's been talking about. He says, this is a whole different kind of person. So don't be that kind of person. But instead, be a person who is going to follow hard after Jesus. Not that you have your minds just set on earthly things and you're thinking about the little things. And, and you have no thought for anybody or anything except yourself. And then in verse 20, he says, but... Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. And so I, I, I put this, this word right here because I'm going to say this, and it's going to bother some of you, but this is one of the big buts in the Bible. It's huge. One of these days, uh, I'm going to do a series called Big Butts in the Bible. Uh, so, so now I told you, so when you see it, don't be shocked. Uh, but this is a huge, this is, this, Paul says, look, all these things are great. All these things are important. Pursue Jesus, follow him, know him. Uh, you know, understand how he's changed us and shaped us and molded us and he created us to love one another. And for three chapters, he says it's all these things, all these, all these great things that he's pointing people toward and saying, you've been so faithful and so good. He says, but look, this is important. Our citizenship is in heaven. We are just temporary residents here. We are aliens here. We are foreigners here. This is not our home. 
This, this, is not, this, this, is, this is not where we live. You know, I, I think about, you know, there's this lady in Mark chapter 14 and also in, uh, in uh, I think in John chapter 12. And her name is Mary. And she's the lady of the night. And so Jesus is having dinner with a bunch of people and there's some religious leaders who have gathered there because at this point in his ministry, everybody wants to be around Jesus because he teaches like nobody's ever taught. He, he heals people, does things nobody's ever seen before. It's this lady. And it says Mary comes, I mean, just screaming through the door, right? Tears running down her face, sobbing maybe because she is so in love with Jesus and what he's done for her. And she comes in and she has this, this jar of perfume and she breaks it over his head. And, uh, and, and she, I mean, and just with tears, she just reaches out and touches his feet and just takes her hair and this incredibly intimate thing and, and wipes the, the perfume and the tears that she is shedding off of his feet with her hair. And, and there's... Some people there go, well, what is she doing? Jesus, do you know what kind of woman she is? You're going to allow somebody like that to be around you? And, 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 and Jesus says, um, yeah, I know who she is. And somebody says, but, but what about the money? What if she'd done something different with the money? And Jesus goes, but, but, but listen. He says, as long as the gospel is preached, people will be talking about this woman. So here we are 2,000 years later, and, and we're, we're, we're still... We're still talking about her. She's going to be in heaven, right? But our citizenship is in heaven. So is it a stretch for us to think that we should be living with heaven in mind? See, I'm afraid we're the people that Paul was talking about in the previous verse, but he says that their minds are set on earthly things because that's all we're worried about. We're consumed about what's going on right here, right now. And we have very little thought of the fact that we're not created to be here, that there's another place for us, that this is not, uh, this, is, this is not our home. Listen, and there's a giant banquet in heaven. We call it the wedding feast of the Lamb. And, and you read about this in Revelation, and I don't know, maybe billions of people were at this giant banquet. I don't know how it works. But, but we're there, and, you know, and we're going to tell stories. I mean, people are going to stand up, and they're going to say, hey, I got something I want to tell you. And, you know, and she's going to be there. Mary is going to be there, and she's going to say, in spite of who I was, he loved me. I mean, in, in Revelation 15, it, it, it talks about, and this used to be a confusing passage to me, it talks about that we'll sing the songs of Moses and Abraham. And I'm like, why, why are we singing the songs of Moses and Abraham? That makes no sense to me because we're singing the songs of God in heaven, aren't we? But, but no, what really he's talking about is that at this, at this wedding banquet, because, you know, when God would do something incredible in Moses' life, Moses would sing a song. And, and, and Moses... It's going to be his turn, and he's going to stand up, and he's going to hold up his glass. He's going to say, let me tell you what God did for me. Let me tell you what I did for God. 
not for my credit and my glory, but so that the, the glory of the Lamb might be magnified. And he's going to say, and, and, and he's going to say, and he brought us across the Red Sea, and people, we're going to all clank our glasses together, and, you know, and, and he's going to say, and, 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 and he fed us, and he protected us, and he's going to have one thing after another, and we're going to stand and, 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 and clink our glasses, and, uh, you know, and, 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 man, I want to have a story to tell. I mean, when it's my turn. I, I, I want to have a story to tell. I mean, because I, that's what we're going to do. I, and maybe that's the first million years is that, that we're sitting there and we're telling stories of our great God and King and, and how he's changed us and, and shaped us. And, and, and so it's important that we remember this is not our home. This, this, this is not our home. You know, and so when, so when you wake up in a couple of weeks and you got the flu or you got a cold or uh, you, uh, the job is not going the way you want to or the bills are stacking up or, uh, you know, you've got some kind of uh, betrayal situation going on in your life, it does not mean that God's wrath is against you. You know what those are? Those are gifts. Those are are gifts. Those are are opportunities. Those are gifts to remind us that this is not our home. We're not built to live here. God created us for eternity. If you've ever traveled to another country, and I don't care, maybe you've been to a really hard place and on a mission trip, or maybe you've been on a really nice vacation, but, but you go somewhere outside of the United States and then you come back home, you come back and go, wow, okay, this is home. Some of the times that we get frustrated and discouraged and worried, you know, you know why? And it feels miserable some days. This is not our home. This is not where we were created to be. And so if you remember that you are a citizen of heaven, it, it affects you. It, it affects the way that I love my wife because I, I, I want to love her as Christ loved the church. Why? Because I'm just here temporarily. It, it affects the way we handle our money. It, it, it affects what we do with it. It, it, it affects... It, it, it affects me because it makes me want to spend time with my children. It makes me get in a car and drive a couple hours just to spend a couple hours with one of my kids. It, it affects me. It, it, it changes me. It, it, you know, it, 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 it affects how I engage with my neighbors. It, it affects me with, with how I pour myself into church. Because when it's my turn, when it's my turn to stand up and see, I'm that guy who got the jiggly leg, like I can't wait, I can't wait, my turn, my turn, my turn, right? And, and when, when it's my turn and I stand up and I raise my glass, I don't want to say, I quit cussing in eighth grade. Really. Jesus gave everything from me. 
to, I want to raise my glass and say, let me tell you what Jesus did for me. And I want to say, you know, I had some hardships and some difficulties and I've got some scars and I walk with a limp because you know what? I decided he was worth going to war for. I don't want to say, I had a great life. It was easy. Had everything that I ever wanted. Now, my guess is if you're a Christ follower, you're probably in the same boat as I am, is you want to raise your glass and you want to have something amazing to say. But you got to be intentional about it. So here's my question for you today, just really simply. You know the how. When? When are you going to do it? When are you going to do it? Some of you were going to do this when you were 14 years old or 24 or 34 or 44 or 54 or 64 and now you're 74. When are you going to do it? When are you going to start running the race? When are you going to quit thinking, that's a good idea and when are you going to do it? Don't wait till you're in the rest home, rolling down the hall in a wheelchair, saying, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. Everybody loves Jesus at the rest home because you think you're about to go see him. When are you going to do this? Why are you putting it off? How about this for an answer today? Now. Now. Today. Right now.